0: Well, if you haven't been with us, we're in a, series, a sermon series, and it's called Rhythm. And we're talking about ordinary rhythms that you can put in your life that shape you in extraordinary ways. And so far we've looked at three different ryth- rhythms. We talked about rhythms of community. So uh, setting something like, like a small group in your weekly routine can shape you in, in incredible ways. Uh, we talked about a rhythm of silence and solitude, so a carving out space to uh, spend time alone with your Creator can shape you. It's a little thing, but it shapes you in incredible ways. And today we're going to talk about a rhythm uh, called the rhythm of the Sabbath, which is, uh, again, it's an ordinary rhythm, but I think it has the power to shape you in incredible ways. Let me begin like this. So we, we are incredibly busy people, aren't we? You know, every, every, every Sunday, uh, without fail, after the service, I'll, I'll go around and just kind of ask people, how was your week? How was your week? And almost, almost always, the the people respond like this. You guys respond like this. I'm doing great. I'm just so busy. And it's true. We are we are busy people. So we're we're busy at work. You know, Americans. uh, We work more hours and take less vacation days than anyone else in the world. And so, a study showed that Americans work 137 more hours a year than uh, or a year than than the Japanese. Uh, 260 more hours a year than the british and 499 more hours than the french now i don't know what they're doing over there the french are they working what are they doing but we we work an incredible amount of hours and it's not just that we work um at work uh because of time quote unquote time-saving uh technology uh iphones and email text things like that we end up work is in bleeding into every area of our lives Right, so we're not just uh, working at work. We carry our, our work around with us in our front right pocket. And so, uh, you know, studies show that 90% uh, of us check uh, email uh, immediately upon waking. 37% of us take fewer days uh, uh, off of work uh, than seven days a year fr- from work. 14% uh, take longer than two, two weeks. And 20% stay in touch with the office while we are away. So even when we're away, we're still plugged in, we're still in touch, we're still working. It's not just work. Uh, you may be here and maybe you're like, I'm not one of those people that works all the time, but it's not just work that keeps us busy. Um, just even even think about family life. I mean, many of us, our schedules might be fine, but we're keeping up with our sk- our kid schedules, right? Kid schedules, right? So we, you know, where there's soccer practice and baseball practice and band practice, and then we've got re- dance recitals, and, and we're just going and going and going because this is just the way we operate as Americans. I was talking to somebody this morning, and he says, "You know, Brent, I you know it's like I work all day long, and it's like I just I'm so exhausted when I get home. But then when I open the door, there's a whole other job for me. I just have so much, I just have so little energy to keep on going and going and going like this. So it's not just work; it's our families that keep on keep us going. And our culture doesn't really help us with this because." You know, it, it's not just that overwork is uh, socially acceptable. We almost lionize it, don't we? You know, to say that you're busy is almost the same thing as saying, I'm important. You know, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just so busy. Uh, it's, it's a way that we tell ourselves that we matter, that we're worth it. You know, when was the last time you asked somebody how they're doing? they said, and they just said, I, you know, I, I'm just so bored right now. I'm just you know medicating my m- the mediocrity of my life through Netflix. You know nobody says that. It's because work is a way that we tell ourselves that we matter. And consequently even as we lionize work we suffer under its cruel tyranny. And so uh, Meyer Friedman who's a, he's a therapist, a psychologist, he's one of the guys who developed the Myers-Briggs personality test. So he says that Americans have something called hurry sickness. And he says, basically, this is an addiction to work. And he says this, we have a continuous struggle, an unremitting attempt to accomplish and achieve more and more things or participate in more and more events in less and less time. I don't have enough time. I'm just going, going, going. There's not enough hours in the day. And then there's Robert Banks, who says that Americans are, quote, time poor. So we have ample goods and resources, but we never seem to have enough time. You know, other areas of the world, they may be financially poor, but they're wealthy in time. But we Americans, we may have enough things to uh, enjoy in life, and yet we're always short of time. Hurry sickness. And so what do we do about this? I mean, uh, undoubtedly, there's many of us here that are just busy. We're busy, busy, busy. We're just going and going and going. What do we do about this? Well, God, in his mercy, has given us a remedy for our hurry sickness. It's called the Sabbath, the rhythm of the Sabbath. What this is, is it's an ancient practice. God gave it to the Jews in the Old Testament, and it is a day of rest. And so from sundown to sundown, a 24 hour period, God uh, told his people to limit their work. He said, I want you to set apart a day. It's the first thing in the Bible that's called holy, a day. Set apart a day, 24 hours, to lay down your work and to rest. Now, of course, uh, the, the Sabbath, is, it's a command in the Bible. It's one of the Ten Commandments. But it's much more than a command. It's actually a gift from your lov- loving Heavenly Father. Uh, as Jesus said in the New Testament, the Sabbath was not, was not, man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. This is a gift from God to you. And as Barbara Brown Taylor put it, it's a gift that we are so reluctant to receive that God had to make it a commandment. Are you taking the Sabbath? Uh, this morning, I want to, to make an argument that, 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 that if you're not taking a Sabbath, I want to make an argument for you to do this. Just carve out space. Be very intentional to, to take a day off, to work and to rest. Sabbath literally means to cease. I want to argue with you that this is something you should do. Sabbath is an ordinary rhythm that can shape you in extraordinary ways. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you five reasons why you should take the Sabbath. I know usually I do a three-point sermon, sermon, but there's just so much on this. Uh, this, I was just working so hard this week. Here are five reasons why you should Sabbath. Five incredible ways that Sabbath can shape your your life. And, you know, I'm not going to have time to go in-depth into into each one of these things. I want them to kind of almost pile up on each other so that by the end you're like, you know, I need to do this. If you're not doing it, you're saying, I need to do this. Okay, five ways that Sabbath shapes us. Number one, Sabbath will shape your identity. Take a Sabbath because, number one, it's going to shape your identity. Now, if you look in uh, Exodus chapter 16, uh, you see that God gives uh, the, the Jewish people uh, the command to observe the Sabbath. Uh, you remember the context was the manna, you know, uh, God is providing for them in the wilderness, and he's giving the, them this food that falls down from heaven, and he says, I want you to limit your collection of the stuff. Collect it for six days, but on the seventh day, I don't want you to do, it, to do anything. This, this I want you to see is fascinating because this is the first command that God gives his people in the Bible. Now, you think about that. That's incredible. If I were God, I can think of a lot of other commands that I would have given first, right? How about, you know, uh, have no other gods before me? That's an important command. Or what about don't commit adultery or don't murder? I mean, those are really important commands. Why did God give... Do not keep the Sabbath first. Well, I want you to see that the reason why God gives this command is because of Israel's former identity. God gives this command because of what they were before he liberated them from Egypt. What were the Jews before they were liberated from Egypt? They were slaves. And what is a slave? A slave is a person who is defined by their work. A slave is a person who's defined by what they do. They're someone who's defined exclusively by their usefulness. Their entire personhood, if you're a slave, is bound up in productivity. And so for 400 years, the Jews have been defined by what they do. This is who they were. And God, when he saves them, he knows that he needs to transform their relationship to work. And the way that he knows This is going to happen is by giving them a day off. I love how Eugene Peterson put it. He said, The biblical rationale for Sabbath keeping is that Israel's ancestors in Egypt spent 400 years without a vacation. Never a day off. The consequence, they were no longer considered persons but slaves. Hands, work units, not persons but created in the image of God not persons created in the image of God. And so, in other words, Israel began to view themselves as work units. They were their work. And what God wants to do is detach their identity from their productivity. He wants to show them that who they are is not dependent upon what they do. They are who they are because of what he's made them. They are sons and daughters of their Redeemer. So Sabbath for them was an identity shaper. In fact, later on in Deuteronomy 5.15 He says, keep the Sabbath Because you were once slaves in Egypt And what God wants to show them Is that they are who they are Because of His redemption They are sons and daughters They are not their work They are image of God Redeemed children Now, it's the same thing with us today We, We still, you may not have noticed this But we still have a tendency To define ourselves by our work, don't we? ask anybody, you know, you come up to somebody and you, uh, you're just meeting them, what's the first question that you ask them most of the time? Oh, what do you do? Almost as if somebody's career tells you something essential about their identity, right? In our culture, we have so connected career with identity that it's almost impossible to separate those two things. You know, traditional societies, they got meaning through family. So they, each person had a pre- prescribed social role. I'm a parent. I'm a, this is my last name. You got your identity from your family. But in our modern culture, we get our identity ourselves through our achievements. And so work has never been so crucial in identity forming. Right? You decide what you want to be. You attain it. And if you do attain it, you feel good about yourself. The problem is when you connect your identity with your work, this is toxic. Because if you're, if you're killing it at work, if you're doing well and think you're getting promotions and you've got a high-paying job, well, you feel great about your identity. But what if you're laid off? What if you're demoted? What if you're not killing it at work? What, what do you do when you retire? Suddenly there's a crisis. You don't know who you are anymore. And what God says is, I want you to put a day in your week, create space so that you can tell your, your work, you don't own me. I am not my productivity. I am, I am child of God. I am image of God, and that is who I am. I'm not what I make of myself in the real world. Some of you have seen, there was an old movie uh, about, called About a Boy. Anybody seen About a Boy? Uh, Hugh Grant is the 90s, Hugh Grant's best role. I love that movie. You should go watch it when you, when you go home today. And uh, this is, there's a movie about a guy who, he doesn't work. And so he's living off the royalties of a Christmas song that his, that his father wrote. And so he re- literally just lounges around all, all day long. And uh, he, there's a scene where he's at a bar, and, and a, girl, a woman kind of leans over to him, you know, and she says, well, well what are you doing? He says, well, that's the funny thing about me. I, I, I don't do anything. And she goes, oh, and she talks to somebody else. Throughout the movie, he's having a crisis of identity because he doesn't work. And there's one point in the movie where he doesn't just say, I don't do anything. He says, that's right, I, I, I am nothing. There's a danger that if you put your identity in your work, that's a very unstable identi- identity because it'll go up and down depending on whether you're achieving or not. And God says, I want you to detach your, your identity from your work. I don't want you to view yourself as your career or your achievements or how much money you make or how fulfilling your career is i want you to identify yourself with one and only way you one and only one way i am a child of god the sabbath helps you do this it's one day where you say this is who i am i belong to god so sabbath shapes your identity second of all i want you to see that sabbath is good for your humanity it's good for your humanity so, uh, you don't see it here in Exodus chapter 16, but later on in Exodus 20, where uh, it literally in the Ten Commandments, it tells us to take a Sabbath, it is the lo- one of the longest commandments in the Ten. It's because God attaches a rationale to keeping the Sabbath. He says, why should you keep it? He says, because God keeps the Sabbath. So, it, it appeals to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, where God worked for six days, and he rested on the seventh. And what God was doing there was he was literally building Sabbath as a rhythm in creation itself. He was weaving Sabbath into the very fabric of of creation. This is the way he simply built the world. John Mark Comer puts it this way. God built a rhythm into creation itself. We work for six days, and then we rest for one. And this cadence of work and rest is just as vital to our humanness as food or water, sleep or oxygen. Work and rest live in a symbiotic relationship. If you don't learn how to rest well, you will never learn how to work well, and vice versa. In other words, Sabbath, the the rhythm of Sabbath is literally woven into the very fabric of creation. It's part of our design. This is the way God built you. God made you to need rest. He did not create you to work and work and work and work. And when you honor this rhythm, it's good for you. And when you violate this rhythm, it actually cuts against the grain of your, of your humanity. Things begin to fall apart. I love what H.H. H. Farmer said. He says, when you cut against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. And so God says, listen, you don't... Fine, don't take a Sabbath. It's not like you're gonna, I'm going to punish you, you know, in hell or something. Not taking a Sabbath itself will punish you. Because you're going against the grain of, the, of, of who you are. You're created to work and rest. And when you work too much and you don't rest, things fall apart. Or when you rest too much and you don't work, things fall apart. You're created to live within a rhythm. What happens when you don't do this? When well, you experience burnout chronic anxiety, high blood pressure, lousy lousy immune system, brain fog, disconnect from God's self, and others. So Sabbath is just good for your humanity. Sabbath was made for man. In fact, there was a study done by a guy named Dan Welter. It's called the Blue Zones Project, and he spent years researching parts of the world where people uh, live the longest. And he found that, that most of the cultures that lived the longest, people in the cultures that lived the longest, were not in America. <laughs> there, but, but there was one group stateside. There was one group in the U.S. that lived longer than anybody else. Can you guys guess who that might be? It was the Seventh-day Adventists. And uh, interestingly, they found that Seventh-day Adventists actually live 11 years longer than most other Americans. Now, part of this has to do with diet. They, they, they eat a plant-based diet, so if you're vegetarian, this probably bodes well for you. But another really huge part of this is that they are religious about taking the Sabbath. In fact, one doctor, he counted up 11 years, and he says, you know, if you count that up, that equals the amount of Sabbaths over a lifetime. Right, so lab, Sabbath is literally adding years to their life. Many of you are like, I'm going to join that church. <laughs> You've convinced me I want to live longer. Right, so Sabbath is actually good for your humanity. In fact, people, uh, studies show that people that worked 50 to 60 hours uh, a week and then stopped were actually more productive than people that worked longer. Because, you know, you're a biological machine, and like all machines, the more the machine goes, if it just goes and goes and goes, it actually gets less productive. I was listening to another uh, sermon this week and the guy was arguing about sabbath he says you know some people say that sabbath is an old testament command it's no longer applicable today you know there are a lot of old testament commands that are no longer applicable in our world you know there's like uh, kosher laws and ritual laws and things like that that we just don't do those anymore and they said well sabbath is one of those things it was for the jews it wasn't for everybody and the guy said he was saying the pastor was saying you know what that may be true But he says, I want to argue that Sabbath is is more than just like a law like one of the Ten Commandments. It is a law like the law of gravity or the law of thermodynamics, the second law of thermodynamics. It is just literally part of reality. You can try to break it if you want, but you can't. And if you try to do it, it actually cuts against the grain of your humanity. In other words, Sabbath is coming for you. And if you don't keep it, it's, actu- it's, it's, actually, it's actually foolish. Uh, last week, my, my, we were having a discussion in our family about eating dog food. And uh, we have weird discussions at the dinner table. And I, uh, th- one of my kids was asking me, Dad, is it, is it wrong to eat dog food? And I had a, there's a long story behind it. I had a friend who ate a dog biscuit, a whole box of them and loved them anyway. So I was telling my kids this, and my kids were kind of eyeing Chardis' dog bowl, you know, and thinking, man, maybe that looks kind of good. Dad, is it wrong to eat dog food? And I was like, well, son, listen, there's nowhere in the Bible that says thou shalt not eat dog food. And God's not gonna punish you if you eat dog food. But listen, it's just really dumb. (laughs) And Sabbath is kind of like that. It literally is woven into the, the world. And when you don't honor your creation. When you don't don't honor your design, things begin to fall apart. So God says, stop. This is for you. This is not a Jewish thing. This is a human thing. And it creates incredible health. So uh, Sabbath, it's good for your identity. Sabbath is good for your humanity. But there's a third reason why I think you should keep the Sabbath. Sabbath is also good for community. It shapes community. Now, when, when you look at the Sabbath law, what's, what I think is so intriguing about it is that literally God tells everybody in society to take a Sabbath. So if you look at um, Exodus chapter 20 and with the Sabbath law, it says, remember, uh, this is verse eight, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day, uh, it's a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and, it, and on it you shall do uh, you shall not do any work. And then he says, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourners who are within your gates. The Sabbath is for everybody in society. He's saying, not, this is not just for you. This is for your servants. and This is not just for your servants. This is for your sons and your daughters. The whole family needs to stop. It's not just for the sons and daughters. It's for the sojourners. It's for the refugees that are in your land. It's not just for humans. He says even the cattle need to rest. Even the soil needs the rest. And so Sabbath is for all of society. It's because Sabbath is good for relationships. Sabbath promotes justice in society. There's a concept in uh, the Old Testament called shalom. Can we all say shalom? Uh, This literally means peace. But it's a much bigger concept than that. The, The word shalom, it means full flourishing. It, it means when all the webs of, all the, the whole web of human relationships is working, where people are getting along, where the lion is laying down with the lamb, where there's justice and peace in the world. This is shalom. It's the way things ought to be. And the Sabbath day is a, is a law within the Jewish culture that promoted shalom. It promoted healthy relationships. Right, The slaves and the refugees were taken care of on the Sabbath. This is something that that promoted life and love. And so this is another reason why we need to keep keep the Sabbath is because Sabbath is good for your core relationships. If you take a Sabbath, your family will thank you for it. It's not just for you. Your spouse and your family is going to love you for it. In fact, for, for my kids, Sabbath, my Sabbath, which is Friday, is their favorite day of the week. It's daddy's day off. It's good for my family. I was Years ago, I was counseling, doing pre-marriage counseling for a couple, and it's nobody in this room, by the way. It was years ago. And uh, I asked them a question that I ask in all my pre-marriage counseling. I said, do, do you guys communicate well? And they were like, yeah, of course we communicate well. We're really good at, that's one, that's, we are not good at a lot of things, but communication, that's one of the things that we're really good at. And, they, and the woman, she stopped, she said, well, actually, only when we're busy, only when we're really tired and busy, that's when we don't communicate well. I said, well, how often are you tired and busy? She said, well, we're busy all the time. (laughs) Sabbath is good for your communication because every relationship takes time and attention. And a lot of times what we do is we squeeze in family time in the cracks. I'll squeeze some in here and I'll spend some time there and I'll try to bring it in here. But what Sabbath says is that you carve out space in your calendar for you to be present with the people that love you the most you are intentional about this, and you and you stop, you cease one day a week to give attention to the most important relationships that you have. There's a woman; uh, she was Anita's friend, my wife's friend, and she was talking about how she went on a youth retreat, and and she was um, a counselor, counselor on this treat, a retreat, an adult counselor, and there was a prayer time with all the the little high school girls, and she said the most common prayer request is for. Um, they wanted their parents to stop looking at their iPhone. She said, I just want my mom and dad to stop looking at their iPhone when they're here to be actually present with me. Because Sabbath is good for, y- for community. Sabbath is for uh, not only for you, it's for your spouse, it's for your employees, it's for the refugee within your gates, it's even for the cattle. Everybody needs to rest. So, we're talking here, Sabbath is good for your identity, Sabbath is good for your humanity, Sabbath is good for your community, and finally, Sabbath is good, well, not finally, I've got two more. Uh, Fourthly, Sabbath is good for your dispensability, your sense of dispensability. Not your indispensability. Sabbath teaches you that you are dispensable. I I know none of us want to think that. All of us want to think that the world revolves around us, That our work is the most important thing in the world. That if we just stopped, all everything else, the universe would stop. That we're just that crucial. But Sabbath teaches you that you and your work are dispensable. Eugene Peterson said, "If you can't stop on Sabbath one day a week, you're taking yourself way too seriously." Because we kind of picture ourselves as spinning plates. You know, we're holding all these spinning plates. And they're all going, you know, and we've got so many of them. and if we just stopped for a second, all of them would fall to the ground. Sabbath teaches you that when you stop one day a week, the universe keeps on going without you. And that's a really important thing for you to, to realize. I think about a busy mom, you know, and she's at home and you know she's just thinking, if I stopped working just one day a week, the laundry would pile up and nobody would get fed and the kids would not, you know, get schooled, and all this stuff, and, and, and this is my house, by the way. Sabbath teaches you that when you stop, hey, a few things may fall, but everybody's gonna live. Your work is just not, in other words, you are not the sovereign Lord of the universe. You are not God. The, 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 the universe and the work and redemption doesn't depend upon you. In fact, notice the Sabbath day was given in the context of the manna. And God, when he first was teaching them that I am your provider, you depend upon me. I'm the one running the show here. The way he taught them that was with this manna. And he says, I want you to limit your collection of that. I want you to, you sure, collect it six days, but on the seventh day, stop, don't do anything. And then there were those type A people. They went out and did it anyway. Oh, oh, but if we stop, what do we do? Oh, no, everybody's not gonna get fed, and we're not gonna have enough manna, and oh, no, and what if the other cultures get ahead of us, and oh, no, and they collected it, and it spoiled, and God was teaching them, here, I am your provider. It takes a lot of trust to keep the Sabbath because so many of us have the fear of missing out, and if I stop, somebody else is gonna get that promotion, or somebody else is gonna get you know that that raise at work and and you know I'm just gonna fall behind. God says, "Relax, trust me. You can stop." Sabbath is good for your dispensability. Uh, finally, and fifthly, the Sabbath is shapes you. Uh, what did I say? Sabbath shapes our hearts by the gospel. Okay, it's good for your identity. It's good for your humanity. It's good for your community. It's good for your sense of dispensability. Finally, Sabbath shapes your soul and your heart by the gospel. In the Bible, uh, the core message of Christianity is called the gospel, the good news. And one of the main metaphors the Bible uses to describe the, the good news is Sabbath. Jesus stood up one day and he said, Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what I have to offer you, rest. In the Hebrews chapter 4, the author of the Hebrews says, there remains a rest, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And he says, I want you to strive to enter into that rest rest." because here's the gospel. The gospel is that God saves you by his work and not yours. The core message of the gospel, of, of Christianity, is not another thing to do. It's not another thing to achieve. The message is Jesus Christ has achieved your salvation for you. And your responsibility is to enter into that rest. And so, in other words, the gospel is a Sabbath of sorts. And it says that there's a rest for us. We don't have to justify ourselves, we receive justification as a gift of Jesus, and we rest in that. The work for our salvation is finished. Jesus hung on the cross. Right before he died, he said, it is finished. He's talking about your justification. You don't justify yourself. Jesus does that for you. you know, the famous movie about the Sabbath, I think one of the only movies about the Sabbath. Remember what it was? Chariots of Fire, that's right. And th- There was the, the British sprinter in the movie, his name was Harold Abrams, and uh, he won the 100-meter dash in 19, the 1924 Olympics. And he was a workaholic. Remember, they contrasted the movie contrasted him with Eric Little? He refused to run on Sunday. But Harold Abrams couldn't stop. He couldn't afford that. And he was so anxious about his work. And there was one line in the movie where they said, Harold Abrams, why are you working so hard? Why are you so driven? Why are you so stressed about this race? And this is what he said. I have 10 lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. The gun goes off, I've got 10 lonely seconds to justify my existence. But will I? Now most of us are not like that. We've got 20 or 30 years to justify our existence. But will I? Some of us, we have seven days, seven days a week to justify our existence. But the question is, will you justify your existence? Is there any amount of achievement that will make you feel justified? And the answer is no. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ justifies your existence. You you don't achieve justification by your work. You are not what you make of yourself in the world. You are who Jesus Christ says you are. And the Sabbath is like a sermon. Every day you stop and rest, it's a sermon that preaches to you the gospel, saying, rest. You're you're already justified. The work is finished. You You don't need one more achievement or one more raise. You just need to rest in me. I am your identity, God says. And the Sabbath teaches you this. So the Sabbath is a very ordinary rhythm. It's a very small little habit that you put in your life, but it shapes you in extraordinary ways. It shapes your identity, your humanity, your community, your dispensability, and it shapes your heart by the gospel. Let me apply this just by a couple minutes here. Uh, the application today is so easy. This is the easiest application I've ever given. Uh, this is your takeaway. Here's what I want you to do it's not go and do something else, the application is stop. Are you taking a Sabbath day? Some of you maybe have never even thought about this. Your lives are just kind of going and going and going. You have no rhythm to your life. Are you intentional about stopping your work from sundown to sundown, one day a week, 24 hours? Now, this could be any day of the week. For me, this is, I'm, this is not my Sabbath, by the way. I'm working right now. My Sabbath is Friday, and uh, I've been trying so hard to carve out that space, and to, and to rest one day a week. And for me, this is hard because, you know, Friday, you know, it's 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 hard for me to turn off, you know, because I, Sunday's coming. And Friday, I'm still, I may be not at work, but I'm still thinking about my sermon. In fact, yesterday, I was in the shower, or Friday, my Sabbath, I was in the shower. Sorry, this is weird. I'm taking you into the shower with me. But I was in the shower and I was thinking about my sermon, you know, and what's, what am I going to do in, on Sunday and how am I going to is five points too much? I don't know. That's a lot. You know, are people going to grab onto all this stuff? And so I was in there in the shower shower, just worried and anxious and and working, really. And so Anita was out of the shower. She was at the the sink there and she was brushing her teeth or something. And I said, babe, I'm going to preach a sermon on the Sabbath on Sunday. She said, oh, that's great. And I said, you know, I'm so worried. I've got five points. I don't know if they're going to grab onto all that stuff. And she said, Brent, you're working right now. Stop. How ironic it is I could preach a sermon on Sabbath and still struggle to keep the Sabbath. My guess is I'm not alone. So maybe for you, this means limiting, uh, not just creating space, but also limiting the anxiety that you take home from work. Maybe limiting your um, use of technology. As John said last week, put your phone away on the Sabbath. The world's gonna keep on going, don't worry. Put the phone away. I want to encourage you, don't make re- legalistic rules around this, you know, don't start You know, make, turning Sabbath into like another job, okay? Don't create a whole bunch of rules around the Sabbath. In fact, this was the Jews' problem, and Jesus called them on it, you remember? Uh, they had all these rules about keeping the Sabbath, like you couldn't carry a stone on the Sabbath. Could you carry a child on the Sabbath? They said, sh- uh, yeah, you know, a stone was a burden, but a child is more of a blessing than a burden, most of the time. So you can carry a child on the Sabbath. Could you carry a child who was carrying a stone on the Sabbath? Now you know why Jesus was so exasperated at this. This, you're, this is not the Sabbath. And so don't make this into a bunch of rules. Just try to have fun. Read a book. Take a walk. Enjoy creation. Enjoy your family. Laugh. Yesterday, we, or Friday, when I took my Sabbath, when I took my Sabbath, uh, Jude was showing us his new dance and he's got this cool dance. It's kind of a a cross between Michael Jackson and uh, MC Hammer, where he kind of like shuffles across the floor. And we were just laughing, and it was incredible. We were just delighting in our children. It was just a wonderful day of rest. Be unproductive. Some of you type A are like, what? I can't do that. Leave the bed messy. Don't make it. Don't do the laundry. Oh, but it's piling up. It's okay. Just read a book. Take a nap. Listen, the Sabbath is an ordinary rhythm that can shape you in extraordinary ways. Read scripture. Eugene Peterson says that Sabbath is a day to play and pray. To delight in God and all that he is to worship him and by worship I don't mean like listen to Bethel music all day long I mean just delight in God and his salvation and his creation because Sabbath will change you so let's let's pray together Father we thank you so much for uh, this this teaching that you give us about the Sabbath I pray God that you would help us to observe it It is not only a command, it's a gift. It is a rhythm built into the fabric of the world. And I know that there are people, even as I've been talking, just there are arguments in their mind I can't do that. There's no way I could do that. Um, I couldn't do that. Lord, I pray that you give us the trust to believe that you know what's best for us. You built the instruction manual for the human, you are our creator and our redeemer. And so we pray that we would honor that creation Mm. and be intentional about creating space.